Yeah, having a website and an email list, those will stick with you, but Facebook might not. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. My name is Matt Rouse and I'm your host today. And today my guest is Sarah St. John. Sarah, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I'm in the middle of moving. It's great. It's a sunny day. I get to carry lots of heavy boxes around. It's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> if you like that kind of thing. So today we're going to talk with you and you are a podcaster, an online course creator, an author and podcast host of The Frugalpreneur building a business on a bootstrap budget. So why don't you tell me more about Frugalpreneur? Okay, sure. Yeah, I'll give a little background first. So I started my entrepreneurial journey about a decade ago, a little over a decade ago, and I was doing photography. And I realized that while I like taking photos of animals and landscapes and architecture, I didn't like taking photos of people, which is where the money is. I was doing weddings and portraits. But a bigger issue was just the expense to maintain and upkeep equipment. And so I decided to go into an online business model. And I tried various things like uh, drop shipping, affiliate marketing, blogging, just all that stuff. And in that process, I was discovering all these like tools and resources that made it either free or very affordable to operate an online business. And so I decided that I should write a book about that. And I called it Frugalpreneur. But in the process of writing that book, I was like, I should start a podcast to kind of coincide with the book to help market it. But the plan was maybe like 10 episodes or something. I was interviewing like the CEOs of different businesses that I talked about in the book. But I realized that I was getting more traction and leverage with the podcast than the book. And so I, I've stuck with the podcast. I'm almost at 70 episodes now. And yeah, I'm just loving podcasting and all things podcasting. And so, yeah, Frugalpreneur, building a business on a bootstrap budget. That's the the podcast that started to coincide with the book and now is its own little thing. Right. So the idea behind the Frugalpreneur is that you can, in in modern day internet world, you can build a business with almost nothing. Yes, basically. That's basically it in a nutshell. <laughs> and it's true. Because, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, man, if you have something you want to do on the Internet, now's the time. Because it is never going to get cheaper, easier, faster, or like anything than it is right now. Mm -hmm. And people always give all their, their million excuses and their COVID problems and, <laughs> and whatever. But, I mean, the, the Internet does not care about those things. Right, exactly. <laughs> so if somebody's going to start an online business, do you think it kind of starts with the idea or do you think it's more like they want to look around and see kind of what's available to them or, you know, do you think it's different for different people? Uh, I mean, if you already have an idea, of course you could go with that. But yeah, if you have no clue and you're like, well, I want to start an online business, but I don't know what the options are and how to do that. And that's kind of what I cover in the book, actually, is like the different types of online businesses. And then depending on which route you go, like what kind of tools and resources you can use to, to make that more affordable. Yeah. So like I cover basically everything I just mentioned, like drop shipping, affiliate marketing, let's see, course creation, uh, blogging, all the different ways to 
make money online and then some. <laughs> so of those things, I've tried or I'm currently also doing all of those things. <laughs> so a funny thing is that you may end up with kind of a mishmash of, of stuff, which totally goes against the rule of trying to focus on one thing. But there's a really interesting that thing that happens is when you try out kind of dabble in all of those things, it helps you with that kind of main business that you have, whatever your main focus is. Right. Yeah. And I feel like some of those things, it makes sense for them to like, for example, if your main source of content creation is like a podcast or a blog or even a YouTube channel to incorporate affiliate marketing with that makes sense to me. Like you should probably always be doing that. So it's like your business might be more content creation, but then you're using a way to monetize that. So what do you think the biggest mistakes that people make when they get started are? Well, okay. So one mistake I made is that, well, I think it's important to obviously learn and educate in the beginning, whether it's through podcasts, courses, books, whatever. But at a certain point, you need to start implementing what you're learning. And I got caught up in this learning treadmill and I wasn't implementing what I was learning. I just kept learning. And I think a lot of people have that problem where they're just constantly learning. And I think in the beginning, that's okay. But at a certain point, you got to start implementing what you're learning. So now I try to, for every hour I spend learning, spend another hour implementing to kind of balance it out. Yeah, that's a good way to balance it. I definitely, I, I like the idea of, of building the car while you're driving it. So <laughs> get stuff done, learn some more, get more stuff done. Right, exactly. And I think most people, including myself, kind of have this tendency to feel like we have to learn everything that we're supposed to be doing or going to do, figure it all out, nail it all down before we actually implement any of it. But it, it's better to learn something, do it, learn it, do it, and so on. Because otherwise, it's, it's going to take you forever to get started. <laughs> and that happens so often, especially with people trying to kind of like you know, bootstrap kind of a, like a side gig or a side business or something, you know, maybe they're already working and they got kids to take care of. And they got all these things they got to do. Right. And then they're trying to do a side business and they spend, you know, six hours a week learning what they're going to do and planning out stuff and making to do lists and all these things and no time doing. Mm -hmm. And you should be spending one hour learning and five hours doing and not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's more accurate than one hour and one hour. Yeah. Well, once you already get going, then you can then you can split it up a little bit. But I mean, Jesus, if you're going to have an online business, especially in like the content creation world. You got to be creating content. Creating content takes time. Right. Exactly. And you can learn Instagram hacks all day long. It's not going to help you if you don't have any content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> And I think another area that I've struggled with and probably a lot of entrepreneurs do, and it might be just how our brains work, but the shiny object syndrome where you'll start something and then you'll think of, because you're always thinking of new ideas and you're like, oh, well, maybe I should try this or maybe I should not do this after all and do this. And it just gets really messy really fast. <laughs> There's a very real thing called, well, there's, there's a couple different versions of it, but in the entrepreneur world, they often call it idea paralysis, right? Or it might be the, in, in other circles, it's called the paralysis of choice. It's the more that you learn, the more options you're going to have, the more options you have, the harder it is to pick one, right? 
because you don't know what to do because there's so many options. Right, exactly. So let's let's take a quick version of this to show people what you mean. Let's say you just started your business and you're thinking, hey, maybe I need to do some social media. So what most people do is they go and they create a Twitter and a Facebook and an Instagram and a TikTok and a LinkedIn and a Pinterest and a yeah. You, know, you still don't have any content. You haven't done anything, literally anything, right? But what you should be doing is picking one platform where the customers that you're looking for are or where people are looking for what the content you're creating or the product that you're using are and then mastering just that one platform. I'll tell you what, right now, that platform should not be Facebook. (laughs) I saw a brand thing today, actually. They said there was a big jump in brand lift on Facebook after kind of the end of the first week or so after the U.S. election, right? And people kind of have, have... switched away from watching the map show on the on on TV and on the internet. You know, everybody's pointing at the map to say who won which state or whatever. So they've started going back and looking at brand content on Facebook. They said it was up to 0.18%. So that is 18 people out of every 10,000. So if you have 10,000 fans, you post something on your brand page on Facebook, 18 people are going to see it. That's the average. So... If you're below average at producing content, <laughs> it's like no one, right? It's like your two friends that that like your stuff because they like you and your mom are going to see your post, right? Unless you boost it or do an ad. Right. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in ads all the time. I would say there is no point in time that we are not running ads for most of our clients continuously. Here's a good trick. If you have a local business, or if you have a business where you have a, you know, a physical presence or a, or a need for proximity, like delivery, catering, you know, any of that kind of stuff, right? Just draw a circle around your house, right? Maybe it's like a five mile circle or around your business and run an ad for a dollar a day, one dollar a day, just to those people. Don't use any targeting. I mean, if you're a women's clothing store, maybe you want to use just pick women, right? But I mean, for the most part, you don't need any targeting. One dollar a day run that ad for two weeks and then a week later, make a different ad, run that one for two weeks for a dollar a day and then keep cycling them. So you always have two ads running for a dollar a day. You'll spend 60 bucks a month and you're going to get thousands of people seeing your business and it costs almost nothing. Yeah, that's a good idea. So that's how I would use Facebook now. Unless you're e-commerce, then talk to me. We'll run lots of ads. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the only point of Facebook anymore is for ads, whether it's by posting your own ads or actually I sometimes I like to go on Facebook just to see what ads I'm going to be shown because they're so targeted. I'm like, "Ooh, I need that. I need that." <laughs> right. I like that like for years people thought Facebook was like listening to their phone, but then like a couple of years ago they actually put it back in the terms of service that they could do that. <laughs> So for a long time, they weren't listening, but now they might be. It's hard to say. I don't know if they're doing it or not, but it's definitely in the terms. Or people like talk about their Alexa listening to them. Yeah. And sometimes I almost feel like it. I mean, I know they're not actually reading your brain, but it feels like it because there was one day where I was just thinking in my head. I didn't say it out loud. I didn't type it anywhere or search for it. But I was thinking, man, I'm having a lot of neck and back pain. And then within five minutes, an ad shows up in my Facebook feed saying, are you having neck and back pain? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of things there's 
there's like a, a noticing bias that you have in your brain. So it's like when you buy a white car and then you see white cars everywhere, right? Because now you have one. And so you may have just ignored that ad over and over until your neck or your back hurt. And then you're like, oh, yeah, there's the ad for that, right? Oh, that's a good point. Because your brain is great at filtering out ads, which is another thing that makes it even more difficult to do advertising now, right? It's because your brain knows what an ad is and filters out. Just says, who cares, right? Because there's going to be five million more of them every day as you doom scroll through the Facebook. It's true. One thing about targeted advertising that's super interesting is that the predictive algorithms are really good. So they can often predict what are the things that somebody is going to need or like. You know, if you go, hey, I was out hiking and hey, I went horseback riding and oh, I got a long drive this week. And then the next week they're like, give that lady some back pain ads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was talking, I was actually, I was on the Halftime Orange podcast in New Zealand the other day and we were talking about this and... So we have a client who is a defense lawyer and for for like criminal defense and stuff. And they asked their clients where they heard about them. And they said, oh, it was really weird because I got the ad the day before I got arrested. Hmm. Because the predictive algorithm had a good idea that they were going to get arrested for DUI because it knows where their car is at a bar and it knows that they're driving home late at night and it knows they're going back to their house. And it's like, eh, probably a good chance that person is going to get a DUI eventually. So it showed them DUI defense ads. Wow. (laughs) That's kind of creepy. It's creepy. (laughs) And it's super weird from a privacy standpoint, but it's also anonymized data. So the advertiser doesn't get that data. But anyway, we're kind of getting off topic. (laughs) So let's get back to like bootstrapping a business. Let's talk for a minute about drop shipping. What is your favorite things about drop shipping? So what I like about drop shipping is that you don't have to keep an inventory. So obviously the operation costs are really low. And basically what that is for people who might not know is that you're basically like the middleman, I guess, between the wholesaler and the customer. I mean, I, technically, I guess Amazon's kind of a drop shipper. Yeah, I think you're more like a you're like a salesperson. Yeah. Yeah. So the drop shipping business I had was for baby clothing, like onesies and stuff. And, and so if you're doing drop shipping, I definitely recommend having a niche. Like you don't want an Amazon where you have anything and everything on there because, I mean, Amazon exists. Why would people go to your site? It needs to be some kind of niche. So that's the niche I picked. And so basically, so someone comes to my website and let's say they buy a onesie for $10. And then it captures all their information and it's easy enough. It just transfers it to the wholesaler. So I get their 10 bucks. Then I turn around and just transfer that information with like one click. And then I have to pay like the $1 or whatever it might be for the item. And then they ship it to the customer. So it's like you can really mark stuff up. You can get stuff for one or two bucks and sell it for 10, 20 bucks. And then you don't have to. That's good margin. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then you don't have to handle the inventory or the shipping or really even, I mean, I guess the customer service, yeah, to some degree, if they come back to your website, but then you could pass that along to the wholesaler. But Yeah. It kind of depends what it is, but yeah. You know where I see people go wrong a lot with drop shipping is they don't find stuff with enough margin. And so they're like, well, I'm going to mark this up 10% and sell it. <laughs> and, you know, so if it's something that's 10 bucks and you're making 11 bucks, it sounds like a great deal. 
But as soon as one person returns one, then you've lost 10 sales worth of profit. Mm-hmm. And you also haven't thought about technology costs, advertising cost, your time. There's also the cost of taxes, things like that. So yeah, make sure you got margin if you're going to drop ship. Right. And, you know, a lot of it's done through China and, and that's how you can get such a good such a good rate. But the problem with that is everyone's so used to Amazon being like two day shipping. So when they order something from your store, you're like 45 days shipping. (laughs) Yeah. You you need to be clear somewhere on your checkout or something that it's going to take really anywhere from like two to six weeks on average. So that's kind of a problem. And there are drop shipping like wholesalers in the U S and Canada, I think and UK and, but the profit margin wouldn't be nearly as high. So it's kind of like, I don't know. A lot of people do like print to order type stuff, but again, it's margins that are an issue. If you're doing it at a pretty good scale, you can get a good margin on it, but you know, stuff, or you gotta be, have a niche where you could sell really well. So a good example is like, say if you're an artist or something like that, you can sell a shirt for 30 bucks that, you know, you get printed for 10 because the artwork, but if it just is a shirt that's like, I don't know. I saw a landscaping place that they had a shirt that said, make America rake again. (laughs) It's funny, right? But if you just have text on a shirt, you can't be like 30 bucks, (laughs) you know, nobody will buy it. Right. So you have to make sure that you have enough margin to cover if you're going to do custom. Right. So you talked about affiliate marketing too. And affiliate marketing is basically the same thing, right? Except there's no product to be drop shipped. It's like a digital product, right? Yeah, usually a product or a service. Sometimes it can be a physical, but basically that's where you're recommending or referring products and services from another company and then you get a special link. And so if someone clicks on your link and buys, then you get a commission of that. So example is we have affiliates for our email marketing course. Inbox Mastery is the name of our course. So if somebody goes and sells our course to somebody else, they get 25% of the money. We get 75 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually digital, but even you can do Amazon as well. And their prof, their commission rate is really low, like two to 5%. But the nice thing about Amazon affiliate is like, I use this a lot for like, if I have someone on who has a book and then in the show notes, I'll have a link to their book on Amazon through my affiliate link. So let's say they go click on that, but they don't even buy the book. But then like 18 hours later, they come back and they buy a flat screen TV. As long as they haven't cleared their cookies and come back within 24 hours, anything they buy, I get a commission on. So that's the nice thing about Amazon. You know, what works well with those two is the, and you may have seen these online, especially on Facebook. I see them a lot. They're like, local hot deals for Oregon or whatever, right? Or, you know, Texas shopping deals and you go in and it's all Amazon links. That's because they're just pumping out affiliate links through those places. Oh, I don't know if I've if I've seen an ad like... Oh, you haven't seen those ones? Uh-uh. But I probably will now. I probably will now. That's right. Now you're going to be like, I've seen a hundred today. <laughs> We're talking about it. So, hey, here's a good trick though. I'll, I'll teach you guys the trick right now because I've done it before and I've seen it before. So you just set up something that's like, pick the name of your city. So which city do you live in? I forget. Dallas. Somewhere in Dallas. Okay. So it might be harder with Dallas. So maybe take a neighborhood of Dallas, right? And call it whatever neighborhood, local deals, and coupons or something, right? And then just get a few of your friends to sign up for it or whatever, right? So you got some people in your group. You should use a group, not a page, by the way. Groups get better engagement rates. So you get that together and then 
all you got to do is go to like Groupon or Living Social or whatever and look up all the deals that are on there. And then you just contact those companies and say, hey, I have this this deals page on Facebook, this deals group on Facebook. Do you want me to offer the same deal that you have on Groupon, except, you know, you can give us a coupon code so you don't have to pay the extra percentage Groupon. And so the company saves the money that they would have to pay to Groupon or Living Social. So they'll give you a coupon for whatever it is, 50% off or whatever they're because they're already doing that on Groupon anyway. But this way they save half the money. Wow. That's, that's a- how you get the local deal. So now you got your local deals. So you line up a local deal to put in every week or a couple times a week, right? And then in between it, you stick all your affiliate links in. Mm, that's a good idea. So you could run your whole business just with a Facebook group doing something like that. <laughs> and then you could pump out all the deals on the coupon sites you find on the internet and stuff that have affiliate. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you can let other people post coupons and stuff too, because it's just more content, just gets more people involved. Right. That's the trick of the day, folks. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> I might try that myself. <laughs> you should. It's a good one. Especially if you have something like, like say you were still running your affiliate. I don't know if you are still or not, but if, if it's your baby clothes niche one, then maybe you want like baby clothes sales coupons in exchange and then allow people to trade baby clothes back and forth. But then you can put all your links and coupons and stuff for baby clothes in too if somebody wants to buy new stuff. Hmm. Interesting. What you're trying to do is get as many eyeballs on it as you can. Right. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, Because I'm on a few different pages or groups or whatever for like garage sale type of groups for the local area. I wonder if they do that. I'm going to have to scroll through their their feed now and see if I can kind of spot that. Yeah, you can check them. Some of the groups it's not allowed, like you'd have to make your own group. Yeah. So here's the interesting one. So, so I have a local client where I live in Hillsborough and uh, they spotted uh, a link for their service on one of the local shop pages, right? And there was like, buy Hillsborough. And they're like, oh, do you know who runs this group? And I'm like, yeah, I run that group. And then two days later, he's like, oh, I saw my ad on this other group, too. Do you know who runs that one? I'm like, yeah, that's my group. <laughs> <laughs> so I have buy Hillsborough, shop Hillsborough. I have some coupon ones for Hillsborough. And then I also have one that's called Hillsborough and Beaverton. It's not Portland because they're suburbs. And so I run all these community community pages, but then I just put my clients on them. <laughs> In between, I put like traffic reports and, you know, if there's an accident somewhere or something and... So you can you can get super easy local content to pump into those. People put their own content in it also. And then you got a place to advertise your own stuff. Wow. That's really creative. You can be the mayor of your own town, basically. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, like, because we just visited over the weekend. We went to Wimberley, Texas. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's kind of near Austin, but kind of a touristy sort of place. And, you know, they have different websites like visitwimberley.com or something like that. So I'm kind of wondering, and they probably have a Facebook page too. I kind of wonder if they, if that's what they do. They work out deals with the local businesses and whatnot. Hmm. Yeah, there's uh, another one here that I don't run, but it's run by somebody I know. It's called All About Hillsboro. And they just keep it to local Hillsboro stuff, but then they use that to get businesses to post about their business. And they use that to generate leads for their networking group. Hmm. Then they grow their business network. Wow. You should write a, or maybe you already have a book about all these different, uh, like Facebook <laughs> type Facebook of tricks. Yeah. Cause that, I hadn't heard of those ideas before. That's really interesting. Right. Well, it's hard cause they got to kind of go out so fast. Those have been around for a bit though. You know what still also works on Instagram. 
Mm, okay. So you can have an Instagram one and you can call it, you know, Dallas Deals Instagram. And then you just, you know, post all the deals you can find everywhere until and then slip in your own stuff in between. Same with Pinterest boards. You can do it with Pinterest boards. Yeah, I've been recently getting into Pinterest. Like I post all my podcast episodes on there and it seems to be doing okay. Yeah, we need to get back to post. We post them like once in a while. We're super not consistent with Pinterest. But I love Pinterest. I love Pinterest for SEO value, right? Because everything that you post on Pinterest is a backlink. All right. Here's, so here's the confusion. Everybody thinks Pinterest is a social network, but Pinterest is a search engine. Right, exactly. Just like YouTube's not a social network. It's also a search engine, right? So anything you put on there has a great SEO or search engine optimization value, right? It's a backlink to your website that's valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love Pinterest. I'm just, I interviewed uh, a Pinterest expert for my show. That episode hasn't gone live yet, but I learned some tips and tricks from her that I'll implement at some point. Was it the girl from Real Pin Media? I don't think so. Her name's Catherine Morehouse. Oh, okay. No, that's not her. But that person sounds familiar. I think I've heard of that as well. Yeah, I can't remember her name right now. I'll have to connect with her again. She's a local person around the Portland area. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was like five years ago. She had like a Pinterest only agency. Oh, interesting. And I was like, wow, that's like super niche. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, I'll have to look her up too because I think it'd be because sometimes I like to do like I did a whole week of episodes on self-publishing and then I did like a couple of weeks worth on podcasting. So I'm thinking of doing like a social media week or yeah, so I might have to look into her and yeah, let me know. I'll see if I can find her. Maybe I can come on and I can give your people some tricks. Yeah, actually, I would like that. All the stuff you've said on here, I'd like to be on one of my shows. <laughs> I'll send you the audio. But also, so hey, before we go, what are your favorite tools for people kind of starting out? So regardless of what online business you go with, you obviously need a website because we were talking about Facebook and all that. And you definitely should have a social media presence and all that, especially Facebook for ads anyway. But and I know people who run their business just on Facebook. But the problem is that's rented land versus a website is owning land. And you never know what's going to happen with Facebook and social media, period algorithms and just will they even be around in five, 10 years? So have your own website and you would need a domain, which you can get for a dollar at one and one.com. And then uh, a website, if you do WordPress is free, except for the hosting, which is as little as $3 a month. And then I would recommend, and then if you wanted to create a logo, you could do that for free in Canva or pay five bucks in Fiverr, have someone do it. And then I recommend starting an email list right away. And if you're a content creator, like a podcaster, blogger, YouTuber, I recommend SendFox. It's actually free up to 3,000 subscribers. But what's nice about it is you can take your YouTube link or your blog or podcast RSS feed and put it in there. And every week, it'll automatically generate a new newsletter and send it out with your latest podcasts and blogs and YouTube videos and all of that. So it saves a lot of time. Another one I like is Mailer. Oh, you use it? Yeah. <laughs> I did a whole episode. It was like an eight minute episode, but just on Sendfox. But before that, I was using Mailer Light, which I also recommend like if you need 
lead magnets and landing pages and whatnot because it's free up to one or two thousand subscribers. But so basically all that stuff involving a website and email marketing. And then I would recommend a social media management scheduling tool. And I use Crowdfire for that. So basically every time I have a new podcast episode, it actually can read my podcast and or blog feed kind of like Sendfox and send out to all the social platforms, including Pinterest, which, well, that's not a social platform, (laughs) like we already said, but it sends it out. So it just saves time there. That's like 10 bucks a month. And then, and then from there, it kind of depends on like, if you're going to go into podcasting, well, then you need podcast hosting. And if you're going to, so it kind of, Depends on where you're, what you're going to do as to the tools beyond that that you need. But I would say that those are the ones that every business should have. For sure. And uh, yeah, I really like SendFox for starting out with email. Or if you need something, if you're like tired of trying to figure out how to use MailChimp when they change the interface every week, you know, and you don't need any of those features, like you don't need any automation or anything, just fucking go to SendFox. <laughs> Export your people, upload them into SendFox. Uh, SendFox doesn't pay me. I'm just saying I like it. I use SendFox. And I mean, honestly, we have clients on all different platforms, right? So, you know, on a weekly basis, I'm using SendFox, MailChimp, Clavio, Drip, Constant Contact, you know, you name it, right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody uses their own provider. And uh, it's so easy at SendFox. And you know what else is funny? When we switch, we switched all of our stuff over to SendFox. Same same pictures, same wording, everything is the same, but we put it on SendFox's platform. And our subscribers, like the amount of, of conversions we get for subscribers when they go to the page to subscribe, almost doubled. Oh. Just from like the layout of their landing page being that much better than it was with the MailChimp one that we were using, which, you know, every week when I go look at it, I'm like, I got to update this thing. And then I just, you know, for two years and then I finally put it on SendFox. I'm like, this looks good enough. I don't need to really edit it. Right. And yeah, double the subscribers. Yeah. MailChimp I had when I was very first getting started and I didn't like it. So then I switched to MailerLite, which I still like. And then when SendFox came out, I switched to SendFox. And that's, I feel like the open rate is fairly high too and click rate and stuff. So yeah, there's good deliverability on there. Mm-hmm. And I think people get to this is my, you know, email inbox mastery class teaching voice coming out, but people get too into how can I make my newsletter look and not enough into what should I be sending to people that they want to hear from me? That is the the secret here. I'll give you the secret to email for all people. You can share this with all your people. And this is the secret to email. Okay. Number one secret to email is find something that your prospective clients value. Ask them if you want them, if they want you to email them that thing, and then you email them that thing. <laughs> and not a bunch of other crap. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, if if you're my people want, they want interesting stories and tactics around marketing and sales. So every week I send them interesting stories and tactics about marketing and sales. <laughs> and my subscribers keep going up and brings us business, keeps us top of mind. It does all those wonderful things. And it's not on rented land. So when Facebook decides that, and this is a true story. 
decides that when you made a comment about, uh, not you specifically, but we had a client who made a comment about a movie that they saw that had a Kung Fu Hitler in it. They don't disable your, all of your fans and you being able to talk to your followers because they think it's political hate speech because you put Hitler in your post. Oh, wow. Then it takes three months to get all your stuff back from Facebook. <sighs> or you could have a mailing list so you can talk to your people whenever you want. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Having a website and an email list, those will stick with you, but Facebook might not. Absolutely. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Sarah. If somebody wants to reach out to you or find more out about the frugalpreneur, how do they do that? Uh, so if they're interested in the podcast, the easiest thing to do is just go to the com forward slash podcast. That's Sarah with an H and then St. John is S-T-J-O-H-N. And then I actually, I have three books and all all three of them are free. The PDF version at the com forward slash free. Perfect. And we'll put those in the show notes. So they'll be down below wherever you're listening to this on, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or whatever. And uh, you can also get our show notes at hookseo.com slash podcast. And Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show and teaching us about bootstrapping today. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.